Right, hello everybody, welcome to episode 28 of the On The Line Tennis Podcast. It's myself, Jack Edwards, and my co-host. Yes, Gavin. Yeah, good evening, yeah. What a day, what a weekend of tennis, what two weeks of tennis. Yeah, it's, fi- it's been finals weekend, yeah. Tons to get through, loads and loads of good matches. A few quarterfinals for you, some semis and finals in the men and the ladies single sides. Loads and loads to get through, so we'll just dive straight in. Okay, yeah, let's start on the women's side. Um, I'll start with Collins. No, no, I'll start. I'll start with Barty. Barty's victories over Madison Keys and Jessica Pagula in the semi-finals yep. and quarterfinals, respectively. I just wanted to do a little bit of a take on her slice, and I mean, I, I've been a pretty big part of tennis the past few months, and certainly the last tennis. Start again. I've been a pretty big part of the uh, Twitter even the last few months, and especially uh, during the Australian Open. So I've ha- had a lot of takes on Barty in general and a lot of people don't seem particularly enthralled by her game I think a lot of it has got to do with the slice Gavin this is this is what I wanted to do a bit of a piece on mm. because for me the slice is probably the most important shot in Barty's arsenal and that is a totally big agree. take but it's but, actually yeah. I think one of the main aspects that makes her entertaining to watch how she uses it so I don't understand why people are moaning and complaining about it um, I think it's one oh, of the biggest assets each to their own, isn't it? I think some people like it, some people don't. I think it's artistry. It's, it's such a difficult shot to do well, which is why nobody else does it well. You know, it's not easy. But obviously, it comes naturally to her. She's got amazing feel. I think that's part of it. Obviously, that's why she's such a good doubles player. That's why she's got such a good slice. There are very few players who can put as much spin on that slice as Barty does. Mm. And it wins her points that she shouldn't be winning. That's why... Yeah. She's able to grind out so many of these like really defensive points that look a bit scrappy. But and what what you notice against the the bigger hitters like Alison Keys and Pagula as well Madison is that it's sort of yeah Madison Keys. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like it, it's strange because like it gives big hitters no pace in the ball, so they've got to generate their own pace a bit more, and often they make errors because either they go for it too much or they're too hesitant. Yeah, and it, it tends to work particularly um, here here in Australia when the the I think it was. Pegula's match and Keyes' match were both night matches or at least under the roof and obviously it'll stay dead on the court. Barty actually talked about it at one point in her in her press conference and said you know the, the court here in Australia changes so much it's important to have variety in your game obviously she's one of the only players who's able to to play totally different kinds of games any day of the week and when the, the, the roof is closed and the, the courts are a bit quicker and a bit deader, I think that suits Barty more because the slice, I mean, it barely bounces off the court. And for somebody like Keyes, who absolutely hammers every ball she can get, probably the biggest forehand in the women's game, yep. it's an absolute momentum killer. And to just yeah, I mean, you've got to put more topspin in the ball, don't you, with a lower bounce. And obviously that means, you know, especially someone hits the ball quite flat and hard, it's it's more difficult to control the ball. Um yeah, the conditions, the night conditions totally suit the slice and mm-hmm. very conducive to her game style. And um, yeah, it probably played a big part in how easily she was able to win matches. Um, during the Definitely. Definitely, yeah, yeah. However, the person she, she faced in the, the final actually gave her a, a bit of a run for her money, Daniel Collins, 27th-seeded yep. American. She has had loads of success in horror courts actually last year, posting top 10 numbers. Well, before she became a member of the top ten, she's she's now a member of the top ten as of this week. But last year, obviously, you know, ranked about low twenties in the world. She was posting hardcore numbers that were 
equivalent to the top 10. So she's always been a player who actually has this game, a sort of a sleeping giant, if you will, somebody mm-hmm. who, who could overperform on hard courts for a ranking. So she kind of stepped up to the plate this week, showing how well she could aggressively return. Beat Clara Tolson in particular, I thought was one of her best victories. Uh, the person who beat Annette Contivate on the way to the uh, third round this week. I, I fought against uh, Schwantek in the semi-finals. She tore Schwantek apart, and I'm really gutted I didn't call this. I, I did know it would be a bad matchup, but I thought Schwantek's kind of ability to grind out matches nowadays would probably stand her in good stead. But the the matchup difference was exceptional. Schwantek's yeah. serve just got absolutely battered every yeah, single game. Yeah, game broke down, made loads of unforced errors as well. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it made sense because of how flat. Collins hits the ball off her backhand. Mm-hmm. I mean, Schwantek had absolutely no chance off the in the points that were sort of zero to four shots. I mean, she had no yeah. chance because the return was just getting bad. And on the serve, I mean, well, she was, was setting herself up for a backhand. Yeah, 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 serve was just getting punished. I mean, brutal, brutal to watch. It was, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just interested to see somebody like Schwantek get rushed on hard courts so easily. She still isn't a player who's able to beat the best players in the world on hard courts for me. That's zero mm-hmm. to three on top ten. Uh, opponents, um, I think four to nine off the top of my head against top 20. Either way, she's not the same player she is, anywhere near the same player yep. she is on hard courts as she is on clay, which is saying something. Obviously, she could still do quite well on hard courts. And she's only 20 years old, loads and loads of room for improvement. So, you know, get to the semis of the Australian Open, and there's loads of room for improvement on hard courts. Schwantek fans should still be hyped for her, definitely. But um, just goes to show, yeah, she's not quite there yet. Yeah, anyway though, yeah, Collins obviously showing how well she could return, especially in that match against Schwantek. So when she got to the final against Barty, she couldn't really put it together, to be honest. Barty's serve just way, way too good to be attacked like that. Collins maybe not possessing the defensive return capabilities that I would have liked yeah. to have seen. Just, you know, all she was looking for was the attackable serve, and it just I wasn't think happening. in the, the first section, she was quite nervous in the final, you could tell, you know, yeah, nervous, yeah. and Barty played very well, to be fair. Um, what happened in the second set was interesting, obviously, that, that big mm-hmm. lead that she got, and then, yeah, Bar- Barty just woke up out of nowhere after having fallen asleep, really, for, for a while at the start of that second set. But also there, was definitely, there was definitely nerves there for her as well, to be yeah, fair. I mean, falling, yeah, falling asleep's a wee bit harsh, maybe some nerves. Yeah. Reverse situation from the first set, but um, I thought the crowd again. I think the crowd does play a big part, doesn't it? I mean, the crowd yeah. were getting behind back, and I thought she overstepped the mark not for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. Doing Collins's first and second serves, and um, when when Collins was losing points or making mistakes or cheating, I thought a wee, it went a wee bit too far. But um, fair played the back, and she, she came up with the goods, and uh, she was able to get. I thought in the tie break she was remarkable. Um, Showed so much, you know, bottle and she, she held her own really well and um, closed that match out. Yeah, like all the pressure on her as well. Like every everybody in Australia seemed to be talking about her. Um, and you know, similar to what Murray did at Wimbledon to, to get that win at your home slam, remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. Remarkable. Yeah, there was. A, I I had a take on that. Her reaction at Wimbledon seemed to be more emotional almost than the one in this final. The almost like release of pressure on winning this match was mm. this incredibly visceral scream like she said she watched it back and she was like that's not me she didn't even recognize herself <laughs> doing it obviously he must have been in this sort of zone mode by the end of the match but it just goes to show i think 
how relieved she was to win to win her home slam. Well, I think Murray was... said that about his first Wimbledon. It was more relief than he enjoyed the 2016 win a yeah. bit more because he could, you know, he'd done it before and he could sort of just relax a bit more. He'd want that he'd got that win in yeah. 2013. He could sort of savor the moment more. But um, no, remarkable. Really good under pressure. Great game style. Seems to be a great person as well. I don't know why people wouldn't like or enjoy watching her play. Being honest, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a mad world we live in. Mm-hmm. I, I I know it is. It totally is. I really do. I think people just like things to complain about. To be honest, Gav. Um, yeah, just a, a few parallels there. I like that because Barty had also been the sort of newly woman at her her own slam. She you know she made the semis and bizarre losses to to Mukova in the quarters one year. Who did she lose in the semis? I can't remember off the top of my head. But again, sort of getting really close, but not quite making it. It was mm-hmm. the same for Murray as well. Obviously, having made the semis and losing to Rafa, making yep. the final, losing to Federer. Um, and eventually coming through, yeah. There's there's a lot of parallels to be to be made. So I, I expect Barty to win another slam. The same thing to happen as Murray. I think she'll enjoy yep. uh, another slam. Sorry, another Australian Open, um, mm. and she, she'll enjoy it a lot more. I think the second time round, just as Andy did, probably. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant win for her. I have a few stats for you, Gav. First Aussie since Chris O'Neill. I'm sure, you might have seen that since 1978 to win the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, 27. Did you see this? Defeats the 27th seed in her 27th yes, Grand Slam main draw to win her yep. 27th two-level title singles and dubs combined. Yeah, that, that was a really good bit of research on that on your Twitter yesterday. And um, yeah, remarkable. Yeah, it was almost a bit savant of me, to be honest. I don't know how they, how I put those numbers together. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just it kind of just made sense eventually to find that other 27 when I found the first two. So <laughs> found it somehow. Um, and yeah, quick question, Gav. Oh, if you no, don't get it, no worries. Question. And I'm sorry because it's been two weeks of uh, early starts. But I need, I need to find a quiz question for you. I need to find the ultimate harsh quiz question for you. This this one's, I'm sure if you mull it over for a second, you'll get it. Only active players to have won Grand Slams on hard courts, clay, grass, clay and grass, sorry. How many Male and have? female. How many players have I got to get? Five. <laughs> I think I need more in a second. Um... Well, oh, Rafa's, be, Rafa's yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Novak's one. Mm-hmm. Rogers one. Yeah. Two more we need. Um, well, Barkey's yeah. going to be one. Yeah. So we got one more. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You um, just got to think of the person. So don't don't cut to the Serena. Serena. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Brilliant. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, quick final stat just to mull over before we move on to the men's. Since 2006, American success. I don't know if you saw this again on Twitter. But um, women's Grand Slam finalists feature, uh, sorry, women's Grand Slam finals featuring an American. Thirty-eight out of the last sixty-three mm-hmm. men's Grand Slam finals featuring an American. One out of the last sixty-three. Yeah, well, we do like to talk about the decline of U.S. tennis, but when you uh, think about how good U.S. tennis is, era was in the nineties and the eighties, it's like, well, we are in the big four era, and I, I, you actually look at how many Americans are in the top hundred now. You know, I think it's there's going to be a resurgence of players, especially Corda. I think Corda might be the one that is the most successful at the current crop of US mm-hmm. players, anyway. Yeah, I've got a wee theory for you. I've just, I actually just follow this here actually, but uh, this this could be right. As the game has progressed, from I mean, particularly sort of before the noughties mm-hmm. when the serve was particularly important but also the ground strokes weren't as important so okay the serves yeah. are important now they've gotten oh, bigger like now serve and volley exclusively yeah much. exactly yeah, yeah and you could 
you could live with not having a good backhand. Nowadays, that is mm. not the case. It's an all-court game. Yep. You definitely need to have sort of rally temperament. Because Americans tend to practice on hard courts, you know, they mm-hmm. put the onus on the serve, the forehand when they're mm-hmm. growing up. My theory is maybe it's less likely to have them break the top 10 in the world as, mm. say, a European. Yeah, I mean, probably Agassi would be the exception to the rule in the 90s because yeah. he won Wimbledon, obviously, with an incredible backhand return and, well, return in general, but the backhand as well. Um, but yeah, you're right. Spot on, I'd say. That was quite tidy there, actually. It was quite very tidy. Very good recap, that. Yeah, yeah, it was. We'll see if the men's is tidy because I mean, there was fucking tons in the men's side, controversy-wise as well. Yeah. We'll start with a couple of the quarters of the eventual finalists. Mm -hmm. So Rafa and Chapel first. Just (laughs) initial thoughts, Gav. Very, very interesting match, wasn't it? I mean, I actually said. Before going in, it could it was one of those matches that could go any way. It could be Raffin three, Raffin four, Raffin five, Chapel three, Chapel four. Yes, Chapin yeah, Chapin yeah we did say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because just how you know the sort of unpredictability of Chapovalov's game. I thought initially Nadal obviously came out in the blocks playing really really good tennis. Uh, two sets of love lead. Then when he lost, especially in the fourth set, when he had that problem with his stomach, and when he lost that fourth set, I thought Shapovalov is going to, this is Shapovalov's time, this is going to be his big, big, big Grand Slam victory here. And I just can't understand in the fifth set why he was going for lines so much, but he was going, mm-hmm, it was like, mm-hmm. I was watching it, I was thinking, I do love watching the offensive tennis, but it's like, you've got to play with some margin, especially when Rafa's hurting, you know, you see Rafa is hurting. Don't try and blast them off the court. This is the time to almost do RBA tennis, you know, just try and yeah. outlast them from the back and then wait for your moment, then hit. I felt, I felt it was very yeah. frenetic. Um, Spot on, Gav. Spot on. And uh, just a, a wee bit of post-match, uh, a post-match quote for you, and I think this totally ties into that. Rafa had said after the match that he was waiting for a miracle from mm. Chapel. Literally, that was his words, waiting yeah. for a miracle. Sure enough... The break that he got in the fifth set was four unforced errors yep. from Chapel. So, was, yeah. and two of them were serve plus ones. So, literally on the second mm. shot, the, the shot he should be making. The shot where you should be, yeah, making the ball and aggressive ball, making the error, and it's it's frustrating because Chapovalov is one of those players where he could win three or four majors in his career just by playing lights out tennis in two weeks. You know, for two weeks. I I, I honestly think I think he's still a bit naive. I think. Yep. The, the the fact that he's only had two top t- five wins out of like 20 mm. or something in his career, and the Zverev one barely counts. I mean, Zverev yeah. was not on <laughs> at all. My po- I mean, there was no pressure, is my really point. Like, there was no pressure. Is my, I'll rephrase that. There was no pressure on him to win that match when he, you know, like bloody straight sets is what I mean. Compared well, I think to he's reflected in the match. number of titles he's won as well. He's won one ATP 250. If a guy of his talent, he should be able to have won more than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Felix totally. hasn't won a title, but I would say with Felix, you know, he's made eight other fights. He's made eight finals in ATP Tour. Shapovalov not made that many. Um, yeah, I mean, Felix is looking like a way better player at the moment. We'll get onto that in a second, definitely. Mentally better, anyway. But he knows, he knows what it takes to win, whereas Shapovalov. Mm. I mean, he he looked totally flabbergasted as to why he lost that fifth set. You know, smashed yeah. his racket to pieces at the end. He yeah. doesn't know what it takes to win a match. Again, not a match. Again, too harsh. You know, there I mean? are certain players that when they get annoyed, they play better, and when they you know when they have arguments with the with the crowd or the umpire, they play better. I don't think Shapovalov is one of those players. Being honest, I know he yeah. did better mm-hmm. after complaining about the rapper. 
um, time violation, but I don't think he ha- I just don't think he handles the confrontation as well as other players around about his ranking or his age. Do you? Uh, yeah, I'm totally right about that, Gav. I agree with that. Um, just do you have any words as well to say about the controversy? You know, with the umpire. My, my issue with it was the first problem is. The umpire is saying it to his Carlos Bernardes. Now, Bernardes, in case people don't know, Nadal was asked previously for Bernardes not to officiate any of his matches because Bernardes used to be very uh, strict with Rafa in terms of pulling him up for time violations and pulling him up for specific time-related issues. So I, I got the impression that Bernardes was sort of trying to avoid confrontation with Nadal because of what was happening in the past. That was my okay. sort of thought about it. Um, mm-hmm. With regards to Rafa, Rafa, I think Rafa said afterwards in the press conference at Shapovalov that he didn't agree with Shapovalov saying he was getting special treatment and all that. I think the issue with Shapovalov's claim is the corrupt, the use of the word corrupt was a very poor way to word it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can word, you can voice your frustration and you can say stuff like, oh, it's not fair that Rafa's taking this time or I don't think it's right. And you know, that, That's different because you're not accusing the umpire of committing a crime or, you know, Basically, you're not questioning the umpire's character. You're just complaining about wanting the umpire to intervene more. The issue was the word corrupt uh, mm-hmm. for me. When you use a word like that, it's a very serious word to use. Okay, it was here at the moment, but you don't use that word for me. Definitely, yeah. No, he just seems a bit immature, to be honest. Um, I, I think it's just a lot of progress to be made in terms of maturing. That will happen over time. Right, uh, yeah. Anyway, brilliant. it was a brilliant match, to be fair. It was. Really enjoyed it. Another really brilliant match on the other side, Medvedev v Felix Ogilalia Seam. Yes. Fantastic. What a match. One of the matches of the tournament. and a half. I think Robbie Koenig said this, I think, in a tweet, or it might be Robbie Koenig, it might not have been, it might be somebody else, but Felix was remarkable. For two sets and a half, he looked unbeatable. He was remarkable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of knew it. We did kind of know that peak Felix is mm. probably, you know, sort of top five in the world. Yeah, and he looked like he tidied up that forehand that. You know, could make errors and could let him down, but obviously yeah. that sort of creaked in at the later stages of the match. But um, yeah, those but two sets and a half, it was remarkable. His ability to put those points together consistently, mm-hmm. like forehands in the perfect places, is just insanely yep. good. Keeping the um, court, plenty of pace on them. Yeah, um, and I mean, yeah, he did show why like he could be or he deserves a place in the top ten. I don't know if he is still is in the top ten. He might be. He, um, deserves he probably to be. is now. I think he is actually now. Mm. Um, yeah, he's probably going to be there for a while. You know, he's still only twenty-two years old. Like, guy's amazing. Um, but then, do you know, it was even clutchness. I really don't think it was a question of clutchness. I think he actually held his own pretty much the whole time. You, I he think, did. Like that match point save from Medvedev. What there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, I, there's not. I don't even think Djokovic was would have returned that. No way! No way! No way! Um, you could say maybe there was some forehand on forced errors that sort of ruined their ugly head in terms of it did sort of go a wee bit, but I don't think it was. It wasn't a collapse of the shot. It just he began to miss more forehands, but I think that's testament to Medvedev for putting him under more pressure and playing better and raising his level. Yeah, um, yeah, so I definitely. thought it was more Medvedev winning it than Felix losing it. Yeah, definitely. His definitely reaction to the defeat just shows you the maturity as well, what he said in the press conference about... Um, oh, stark contrast to Schaffer, yeah, wasn't it? It's sort of how Gami was in the court as well um, after losing that. Uh, I'd be, I'd be, I get it, though. I, I get it, because I think the guy's just shown that he could win a slam. Mm. Like yeah, he, no, he... but I guess there would be disappointment there, but he did not, you know, he was ice cool in terms of 
you know, sometimes you see players getting very frustrated in press conferences or after matches. You saw Shapovalov smash the racket, obviously, but Felix yeah. seems to be far more calm and level-headed. Uh, his last, you know, his last two slams. So, so quarters at Wimbledon, lost to Berrettini yep. four sets, lost to Medvedev in streets. I think at US yeah, in definitely semis, in streets. Yep. Yeah, he's a step closer. You know, loses in quarters in five extremely close sets. I, mm-hmm. I, I get why he's drawn positives. I totally. I think when he gets that first title, I think that that could even elevate his game into more consistency as well. I think when he wins that first title, I think it could open the floodgates for him. I just, I really want to see him get that first title. I think that's that's in the list of uh, things that Gav says the most on this podcast. It definitely, is, it is. Uh, yeah, can, we are, can we trademark that? Can we trademark that? You are so hungry for that title, Gav. It's unreal. I, I mean, we, we all are, but you certainly are. Almost, definitely. almost, almost as much as Marin Cilic winning another Grand Slam, but not quite. It's Cilic winning the Grand Slam, then OG Aliasim getting the title. Brilliant match for the two of them. Really good match to watch. Moving on to the semis, Berrettini v Rafa was the first one I've got here. I'll just talk mm. quickly about the insane matchup difference. I've got a pretty big analysis of it actually on my blog, so I won't get in too much into it. You can read it there, but um, basically the, the the match kind of rested on Rafa being able to lock Berrettini into the backhand jail, basically. Yeah. Without having to go aggressive, he didn't use heavy forehands on that side, just angled it. He didn't use heavy backhands, he was just able to loop yeah. it high, it was, safe it, over to the backhand. It was unfortunate that I wrote an article on a Thursday night saying that I thought Berkini had a chance. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Didn't age it, well. It turned, yeah, I mean, I thought he had a chance of going five sets, I guess, but not really winning. I just, I, I, that difference from the baseline was remarkable and it made him look like mm. he had a second rate back. His backhand's okay, but it's not as bad as it looked that night. I just Rafa said he had to bury, bury the backhand slice he's got, because he has got a pretty good backhand slice. He had to bury it up a wee bit. I think he's got a decent slice, especially at Wimbledon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, has, he has got a decent slice. I agree. I, I just think Rafa's the best in the business at countering the slice. Um, yes, he yes. I wanted him to mix it up a wee bit. That's what I was saying. He can't be one-dimensional. And unfortunately, it didn't go well for him. But I think, I, I think Rafa did look a bit edgy in the fourth set, though. He did look edgy. He did, yeah, yeah. I, just, I, just, I still think Berrettini isn't good enough yet to be beating Rafa. Not in the return of serve as well. Certainly yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, the backhand again being mm. exposed in that department too. Just his topspin backhand was okay, actually. It did come to the party sometimes, so he's got potential there. But um, no, not quite there. Uh, yeah, Rafa ended the match with 60% of the rallies won, which is a remarkable yep. number. This was an exceptional difference, but Berrettini actually lost the majority of the rallies against all bar one of his opponents this week or the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Kozlov being the only one that lost fewer than him, and I mean, it was by a couple of percent. Mm-hmm. Tons of progress to be made for Berrettini. You know, like, mm-hmm. th- th- this is quite telling, I think, in the press conference when he was questioned about how it felt uh, to lose to Djokovic, you know, three times last year in this time Rafa you know only the best players in the world he said he feels as though it's time he starts beating them right attitude obviously knows that he's well he's well aware of his flaws he knows how much he could improve I was most impressed with his first serve points won against Quirino Booster at 84% mm-hmm. yeah but I mean exactly yeah so I mean his strengths are the strongest in the world but mm. his weaknesses are some of the weakest in the world you know the yeah. disparity between the two probably mm-hmm. uh, maybe Maybe Rublev's uh, forehand to second serve, but other than that, I can't think of anybody else who's got a, um, a sort of bigger disparity between their two biggest weapons. Benoit, forehand and backhand, maybe. 
Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I suppose actually, Bevan Bar Perry's backhand is quite a right up there, isn't it? It's it just is, the rest yeah, of the forehand, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> nowhere near. That's true. One, but yeah. No, you put you might be right. Yeah, no, it's still loads of positives for Benettini as well. I think again, one of the the few young guys who came out of this tournament looking incredibly mature and sort of held his his, his head high, just like Felix did. Uh, yeah. Speaking of actually, Sitsipas, to be fair, credit to him. Um, I, I thought he, he he was quite good in the press conference, but we'll get on to that in a second. Mm-hmm. The actual match itself. Did you see much of this Sitsipas v Medvedev? Watched it all. Yeah, watched it yeah. all. Um, again, it's return, return, return for Sitsipas. It was four one up in that tie break, uh, and I didn't. I still thought maybe they could come back just because I didn't think Sitsipas's return was. Uh, I, I say it a lot, but I don't don't think it's good enough yet. I just don't think it is. It's improving, but it's not good enough on hard courts or grass courts yet. And play it is. He's got a wee bit more time in the return, so that's you know it's slower surface. Obvious why he's better on return and clay. I think Medvedev was very impressive. I was very impressed how he held his head together on that first set to come through it. I thought Sitsipas won that second set mainly because of Medvedev's lack of concentration on serve. He played a poor service game. Although I didn't feel like Sitsipas has dominated that set. That's why he's won it. I felt Medvedev's played a poor service game there. Sitsipas is going to serve it set. But I thought after that, actually interesting enough, after the coaching violation that Sitsipas got, he did lose pretty quickly, didn't he? After that coaching violation. He, he did, he but... Um... So to back up Sitsipas a little bit, post-match he said, and I believe him by his tone, to be honest, he said he doesn't want to be coached on court. He can't hear anything anyway. You know, It doesn't help him, but he, the stress that was he doesn't point. want to be coached on court. It sounds like Apostolos is the problem and not Sitsipas. He's got a mask on Apostolos, you'd think. How well, exactly. Like, how is, you know, um, yeah, well, for starters, exactly. But uh, just uh, before we say any more about it, apparently they had a Greek-speaking yeah, umpire, yeah, Greek-speaking official, yeah. yeah. It, it was in the corridor underneath the stands who heard uh, Apostolos coaching. Players have moaned about Apostolos, you know, Berev's moaned about him, Medvedev's moaned about him as well. Um, I think the UTS as well, the ultimate tennis showdown, he was, I think Mute had a big... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think just if you want to get rid of the problem, then just put the put the coaches at a place where the players can't I mean, at least can't hear them. You know, you put them up maybe halfway up. I don't know. Give them the cheap seats. You know, like, I don't. Or hospitality. You want wine and dine before them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> it's maybe a good idea. But then you'd you'd see a postalist drunk. Maybe that uh, wouldn't end well. I don't know. <laughs> Given uh, how he acts sober. <laughs> what did you think of Medvedev small cat rat? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I liked it. It was funny. I mean, obviously, the, the it's not. Obviously, it's not on. But post match interview with Jim Courier as well, when he said, "I just thought, what what would Djokovic do, just to yeah. wind the crowd up?" But I thought Jim Courier's smile on his face there. Jim Jim thought mission accomplished. I've got you know a great quote out of him. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that that was great. I just loved that. Was yeah, I liked it. I liked it too. The match was the match was really good. Actually, it was really high quality. Maybe it was. It was um, there's a few iconic moments, definitely. Yeah, anyway, Medvedev did win that in four, and the final was set, Rafa v Medvedev. This mm. was one of the matches of the, I don't know, ever, basically. Just, it was just an insane, insane match, and the amount of history and the amount of everything in this match was mad. Just a shame just... that, uh, the, uh, unfor- well, unfortunate timing for a Winter League match I had, they meant I had to leave at. Four two in the fourth set. Um, yeah, yeah pretty gutting. 
pretty gutting yeah. that. Uh, did win the Winter League match for those who wonder who are wondering which will be none of the none of you listening. Uh, no, no, I, I, I had one I had one eye on the live feed of the Winter League match and one eye on the Philadelphia yeah, <laughs> final. Yeah. That's where Phil <laughs> McMillan was all tournament. No, he wasn't in your sport, he was just com- he wanted to commentate on our match at Busby. That's when he was. Um, of course, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Didn't have the tube that the Eurosport had. Yeah. No, no, no. I yeah. was doing the I was doing the commentary on Twitter. Don't worry, Gav. Oh, yeah. uh, I'll do a quick um, rundown of the match for those who. I mean, I'm sure everybody saw it, but just explain what happened in the crazy momentum swings. First, it was very easy for Medvedev. Debbie kind of pinned Nadal into the, the the backhand, and I don't know. It, just, it, it ran away, and it all looked like it was going to be Rafa made a lot of unforced errors. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, second set set point for Rafa that he Rafa fluffed a slice. That second set, Rafa was. He was, yeah, yeah. He, he fluffed that slice at five uh, three, and I, you know, obviously it went to a tie break, and maybe they've just clinched it. Everyone and their granny at that point thought the match was over, surely, and yep. probably Carlos Moya as well. I don't know. I think Rafa was the only one in the stadium that thought he was going to win the match, and there could win the match from there. I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, Rafa, especially when he went uh, love forty down in the third set. I don't know if you saw that. Rafa's mm-hmm. drop shot won him a point there. Medvedev's drop shot lost him a point. I, I, I just uh, FYI, I will do an analysis of, of this at one point. But there's so much to dissect. I'm not going to get too analytical at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's I, the problem. Like, there's so much to do. I, I feel like I couldn't do it justice. So I'm just trying to talk through what happened. Point by but, point, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, drop shots were important. Was my point. And, well, you know, it, the execution of some of them were ridiculously good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's interesting to see from Love 40 down, one of the most important points in the match, Medvedev couldn't pull off the variety and Rafa could. Yep. So just keep that in mind, obviously. Fourth set, Med started to look a little weary. I, he, he did wane physically, which I was really surprised by. Yep. He was the one that waned first. And that carried on to the fifth set as well. He started losing mm. the longer rallies. Rafa was on winning them all. Cannot believe I'm saying it, but Nadal stepped up in the fifth as well with his serve. I was not expecting him to serve well by the yeah. fifth set, but oh my god, he! I mean, you need to watch it back. There was that part three two, maybe four three. I think it was three two. Save three break points like in a row with unreturned serves, and I mean, I'll, I'll again, I'll do more stats on this, but he can't have had many unreturned serves the whole match, like percentage mm. wise. Oh, uh, it's oh, just, oh. just mad. Got nervy with the finish line in sight, 5-4 up. I mean, Raf fans around the world must have been absolutely shitting themselves. I don't know if you saw that again, but he was 30 love up at 5-4. Yeah. And he double faulted at 30-15. I mean, people must have... uh, He said after the match, you know, he started thinking about 2012. He started thinking about 2017. Yeah. He swore on live TV. I've never seen him do that ever. I don't know if you saw that. That was fantastic, yeah. I know, it was a nice Rafa moment. Um, but I was just Rafa stuff, you know. He broke back. He, he kept his composure. Apparently, just definitely on the, the the final sprint, there was a let cord noise at six five thirty love. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's worth watching back, listeners, if you've not seen it, because I want answers to that. I don't know. Like, it, it looks a bit controversial. John Blomman and demand answers. John Blom was fantastic, to be honest. Uh, so I mean, if that yeah. was if that was his only blip, fine, I'll let him off because he, he did eventually have to just step in and say security is going to take out the crowd members that are shouting out between first and second service. Fuck up, pretty much. I just yeah, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he yeah. put it politely at first, and then it was like a little bit edgier, and it was like I'm going to fucking get security. It wasn't get quite James Gosselin earlier in the week was the the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know, basically just saying that you are getting you were getting fucking chucked out of here, mate. Uh, yeah. That was brilliant. We'll get on to the crowd in a second. I have mm. got a bit more to say, but then 
um, but yeah, just insane match. Yeah, I, again, I won't get too much into stats, but my initial impression is that Rafa was the one that was able to adapt as the conditions got slower. Yeah. I do think short selection, was... short selection played a part as well. I think under pressure, I short selection was a wee bit. Yeah, mm. it was. Yeah. And I don't know if that was mental fatigue, but you know, Rafa looked like he'd been there a million times before. He knew mm. when to use the drop shots, he knew when to move forward. He flummoxed Medvedev multiple times. Yeah. Really not what I was expecting, um, especially Medvedev being tired first. But oh, it's just, a, it was just, I, I, I will never ever underestimate Rafa again. I'm glad I kind of said Rafa was out of the match because to Wait, be if these two shots sets like that down, was amazing. If two sets of love down, five love, 40 love, or love 40 down. I would still think he could get out of it. That's the sort of player he is. Unless he's playing Marin Chilic. You know, Chilic yeah, of course. Match done, but other than that, you know. Rafa He'd be cut from it. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, insane stuff. A few stats for you because, I mean, this was this this was probably the statiest match in the history of everything in terms of records broken. In the open era, first player to win the AO final from two sets down, probably unsurprising. Yeah. Second player to win all four majors twice. Of course, yeah. that's you know probably the biggest one he's broken. I would say because mm-hmm. it just you know that officially shows his 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 court his surface his versatility. Even six oldest major champion. That one's underrated. I think that's yeah. you know that's a big deal. Obviously, Ken Rosewell, Federer are the only ones above him, and they've won multiple titles past the age of thirty five. But mm-hmm. to win EO at thirty five years old, obviously, it's not unprecedented, but. I mean, obviously, Federer had done it a few years ago, but I think the parallels between that, you know, five years later, it's just amazing. You know, at the same age, it's just so cool. I absolutely love it. It's just, you think about the the generation that we're in now, how lucky we are to have watched that quality of, you know, not just one player, you'd you'd want one player in that generation to, you know, I'd be grateful just for one, but you've got three. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, I know, yeah, yeah, and to, and to see it all unfold, and imagine the biggest twist in them all is that Rafa is the one that ends in twenty-one, you know, on the most Grand Slams. It would just it'd be brilliant. Um, yeah, one more as well. Second longest Grand Slam final in history. I mean, of course it is. Like five hours, what thirty minutes or something like that. Five hours twenty-four. Oh, nice. Well done. Yeah, just main. Finally, outstarted you in one thing. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to confirm my stat actually, but. Oh, just just roll, just go with it, Gaff. Uh, I think okay. you you, you got you the you got the win there. Two, the last time a player came back from two sets love down in the AO final men's, you know, obviously oh, two sets love down. You tell me the two players. It was out with the open era, but it was still the screen. Ah, right. Right, 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 right. You tell okay. me. You tell if me. It's the not... era, and can you tell me the two players? I want my moment of being the quiz master. If it's not in the open era, I'm going to struggle here. I think it might have been fifth. I finally outstarted him here. Don Budge? Not Don Budge. Roy Emerson, Roy Emerson. It was Roy Emerson. Yes, because that actually rings a bell. Who did he defeat and what year? I'm going to say 60... Is it even 60-something? Is it earlier than that? It is 60-something. Is it 62? What was the year Rod Laver got his calendar slam? That might have been two. Was it 63 then? It wasn't 63. No, okay, I don't know what year was it. 1965. Who did he no, beat in the uh, final? I don't think I know. I, I can't remember. John Newcomb? Fred Stolle. No, Fred okay, Stolle. I, I wouldn't have got Fred Stolle. That was tough. 
That's good stats. That so fifty-seven years later, that yeah. that feat was repeated. Amazing. Yeah, that big three dominance. That's sixty-five of the last sixty-eight Grand Slam finals to include a member of the big three. Mm-hmm. Also, sixty-one of the last seventy-four slams won by them too. Will it ever end? Probably not. Does anybody want it to end? No. Probably not. I think it, no. <laughs> no. I think it's amazing. And Medvedev and his presser said he had quite a lot to say. So this is just a small excerpt, but to give you an idea, he said. Great press conference. I'd recommend you watch it. It's only twelve minutes if you've not seen it or watched it. Yeah, it's very heartfelt. Obviously, and he's obviously had a, a think about this, but he said again. The kid that was dreaming is not any more than me after today. It will be tougher to continue tennis when it's like this, referring to the crowds cheering mm. pretty much unanimously against him. One of the things he yes. said at one point was when Rafa missed his first serve and one person in the crowd cheered against him, mm-hmm. the rest of the crowd kind of tutted. And he said that yes. you know it didn't, it didn't happen once to him. It was almost like the crowd were completely and utterly unfairly against them and it just felt well, a bit much. My take on it is that uh, tennis crowds in general have got worse, especially over the past decade since the big three era. Um, I think the first, there's notable occurrences everywhere, but I think 2015 US Open final when Djokovic was playing Federer, behaviour of the crowd there was dreadful. 20, I, Wimbledon used to be okay, but 2018 I think when it really changed was when Djokovic was playing Edmund and the behaviour towards Djokovic for the fact uh, but the fans there was pretty shocking for Wimbledon. You know, if you think of Wimbledon being more polite crowd, I think that's not the case anymore. Um, and yeah, you see, I thought the crowd this this tournament possibly the worst I've seen the tennis crowd behave anywhere, even maybe yeah. even worse than New York. Um, in the early rounds, the behaviour was well, quite frankly, disgraceful. But uh, maybe there was also asked. Um, we spoke about this off air about whether it was a nationality issue. He said he thought it was. Um, there has been instances where I think that there is a link between, I think, three players. If you think Lendl, you think Djokovic, you think Medvedev. Lendl, back in the 1980s, after winning the US Open, I think it was 1989, if I'm right, it was the next day in the cover of Sports Illustrated, which is a US magazine, sports magazine, prestigious magazine, said the champion that nobody cares about. That was the front yeah. cover, and he had a picture of Lendl. Djokovic, obviously, we've seen how he's been treated by the crowd, and Medvedev, and you see that I think there is a nationality issue there. Being honest, yeah, even in Navratilova, maybe there's there's other stuff there. But she I said mean, that last year actually that she thought it was a nationality issue before the Wimbledon final. Uh, Djokovic Berrettini, she said that she thought Djokovic didn't get the appreciation and the nationality could be part of it. So mm-hmm. she's brought it up herself. So I think Djokovic is maybe Djokovic maybe too polite to to talk about it like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Medvedev is, is, is a lot franker, a lot more candid, and he said it in, in no uncertain terms. One of the things mm-hmm. he said was if there was a Russian tournament on at the same time as Wimbledon, he'd prioritise the Russian tournament now yeah. over Wimbledon. That's how he, how he feels after that match. The tip of the iceberg for him. We can uh, we can wrap up there. Uh, one other record as well, of course, that yeah, Medvedev didn't succeed on just before we finish up he was bidding to become the first man to back up his first Grand Slam title yep. with an immediate second Grand Slam title the mm-hmm. only man apart from Andy Murray who'd even made a final actually post making his first title winning his first title so making a final immediately after winning yep. his first title if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, Andy doing it in 2012 US Open to the 2013 Australian Open Yeah. so yeah came very close but didn't quite make it but obviously Shows you how hard it is to win your first title after winning, or your second title after winning your first, sorry. 
he came very close. He did better than most. I'm sure maybe they will be fine and he'll regroup. But yeah, really, really heartbreaking stuff in the press conference. So I hope he's, he, uh, he rallies after that. Right, we'll, we'll wrap up there, Gav. That was a good one. Thanks very much. Thank and you thank you very good. much, listeners, for um, listening this far through. If you want to catch any of my work, you can go to jackedward.substack.com. Gav is on Last Order on last Tennis. Order tennis. You can see that ill-fated uh, Berrettini article. I big him up to any Berrettini yeah. fans out there. Can <laughs> of the, the positives uh, before the, the match to wrap up. <laughs> yeah please join us next time on the online tennis podcast I don't know if we know exactly what we'll be covering next week there's a few Pini, tennis on Pini, there'll be other stuff on apart Montpellier. from Pini as well won't there Pini, yeah. Montpellier he's taking a while down in Montpellier okay yeah. yeah we'll probably cover a few T50s and stuff catches them for that until then uh, this has been the online tennis podcast thanks for joining us thanks very much thank you very much. cheers